The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Good morning, everybody. It is the week of Christmas. And uh, if you didn't know that, dear Jesus, help you. And um, also, if you still have shopping to do, Dear Jesus, help you. So um, anyway, hopefully you've got things all ready to go for your Christmas season. Um, we we kind of caught wind of how difficult it might be to receive things. So we started shopping really early because back in August, we decided it was time to get a new fridge. So we bought a new fridge in August and it arrived on Wednesday of last week. So anyway, just a heads up, if you're waiting for some things in the mail for Christmas, you might wanna make it like a St. Patty's Day gift. So just, just a thought there. But um, we're in a series called It's Christmas. If you're looking for a spot to land in scripture, we're gonna be in Luke chapter two. So if you got a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn there. If you got um, a smartphone with a Bible app, go ahead and click that on and, and turn to Luke chapter two. Um, for me, Christmas traditionally has been a, a holiday full of pretty great memories. I mean, um, families gathered and, and you know, all kinds of great food and, and gifts and things like that. It's been pretty awesome. In fact, when I think back to my Christmases growing up, um, really all the way through my teen years and into adulthood, um, it's great memories. It's the joke how I was thinking about how my grandpa on Christmas, we would go to South Everett and my grandpa, the, the one thing I remember about him for some reason is literally him laid back in his Barca lounger snoring as loud as you can imagine. I mean, that's kind of my memory of him. Um, and so that would happen. I remember um, when we would open gifts uh, that we, we would go outside and, and with footballs or RC cars, we'd go outside and play. And I think that was a way for the adults to get us out of the house so they could enjoy a little more serenity. So I kind of get that. Um, but I also remember the adults would play Trivial Pursuit and the kids, of course, can contribute nothing to that game. And so I remember trying to, to get in and it was more like, you just go away. We're playing our game for adults. And so that was kind of a bummer. Um, I remember Jello salads and ham and my aunt could make and still does make the most incredible chocolate chip cookies cookies and they were huge. It was kind of like, a, you know, a serving for eight people, but it was one cookie so you could get away with it. Um, I remember that. I also remember, um, you know, each Christmas, my family would ask us kids to put together kind of a list of things we would want. And we would put together a list of kind of practical, you know, fun things we wanted. But there was always the whole, like, if there's one big gift, you know, let us know and we'll put that on there. And so I remember one year, um, man, I got the Lego airport. And I was like, I was probably eight or nine years old. And that's when you're a kid, this was back in, I guess, the 80s. But that was like the gift of gifts. The Lego airport was the gift. I got the Lego airport. And I was so elated. And I remember one year, I was really into freestyling on my bike, you know, with pegs and the rotors and doing tricks on your bike. And one one year, the big gift I wanted, and I didn't think I would get it, was mag wheels for my bike. And I remember the big box under the tree and found out it was for me and all excited, opened it up. And sure enough, it was mag wheels for my bike. And again, over the moon about getting the mag wheels I wanted for my bicycle. And I think probably many of us have pretty good memories of Christmases where again, family's gathering or there's certain gifts you received or certain food that you always ate and maybe still do eat. And those are great things. They really are wonderful memories. But just a little ways away from the family gathering, oftentimes there's a side table or a hutch where there's a manger scene set up at maybe some of your Christmases, or there's a sign on the wall that says Merry Christmas, or in the background, there's a playlist playing, and you've got O Little Town of Bethlehem, and you've got Silent Night, or We Three Kings, and kind of that ambiance. But here's the thing. 
When you think about some of those things, that stuff can make for great ambiance at holiday parties. But the catch is this. It looks nice, it sounds nice, and feels right. But for so many, those things are nothing more than mood-setting environments. And, and, and I say that, not that there's anything wrong with those things, but we, be so, we, we become so enamored with the stuff of Christmas that we miss out on some of the moments that are meant to be for Christmas, and in particular, the moments. And so when you think about your seasons, when I think about mine, is it hard to look back and find the sacredness of Christmas, moments where God shows up, moments where there's something deeper going on. Because when you think about some of the things I mentioned, Little Town of Bethlehem is just another Christmas song. The phrase Merry Christmas is just another holiday greeting. Or the manger scene is just another set that helps provide the whole of an environment for Christmas. And yet, through the story of Christmas, there are so many sacred moments. What I want to talk about today is the sacred moments. When you think about the Christmas story as a whole from the Gospels in Scripture, you have Zechariah in the temple who's visited by the angel Gabriel, and there's an unbelievably sacred moment there. When you think about Mary being visited by an angel or Joseph having a vision about Mary being pregnant and what was going on and what God was doing, those are incredibly sacred moments. When you think about the wise men, the magi who came from the east and the sacredness of them coming and seeing and bowing down in worship to a baby in a manger, that's a profound and sacred moment. When you get to the end of the Christmas story in scripture and you find a guy named Simeon, who's been waiting his entire life to see the Messiah because somehow during his lifetime, God revealed to him that he would literally see the Messiah and he's waiting year after year after year and finally Jesus is brought to the temple to be circumcised and all of a sudden Simeon sees this baby and realizes that's the moment and you know what he says? Now that I've seen the promise, I can die in peace. I mean, that's a big deal and a very sacred moment followed by Anna a woman who was widowed and then for decades prayed in the temple and got to see the baby Jesus, the Messiah. Unbelievably sacred moments. And here's one I wanna share with you today. Luke chapter two, starting in verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A savior has been born to you and he is Christ the Lord. This will be assigned to you. Verse 12, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, <clears throat> excuse me, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed what the shepherds said to them. And Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them 
in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Jesus, today as we stop and pray, we invite you to work in us realizing the value realizing the purpose, realizing the importance of sacred moments. That for many of us, we look at the holidays we've experienced and there's nothing wrong with gathering. There's nothing wrong with being generous and giving gifts. There's nothing wrong with with enjoying certain foods that are amazing. That's great, but maybe, just maybe, we miss out on the sacred. Maybe, just maybe, we miss out on what you want to do on a deeper level in us because it's practical and it's fun and it is meaningful, but we're missing out on the deeper work. God, open our hearts today to that deeper work in Jesus' name, amen. In verse eight, it says shepherds. Shepherds were out in the fields Nearby, If they were near Bethlehem in a certain vicinity, there's a high likelihood that these shepherds are just normal, ordinary guys that are part of the nation of Israel, but they're raising up animals that will be used in the temple sacrifice. They're part of the system in Israel of the temple and the sacrifices. And so these guys are, are not part of the elite religious class that, that you could say, you know, they, they knew things, they studied the scriptures and, and all this stuff. They were normal people. And a simple application, I know it's... It's overly simple, but a simple understanding here is this. When you think about the Savior, the Savior is not meant for the elite. The Savior is not meant for the perfect. The Savior is not meant for those who think they have it all together. There's a Savior who's meant for every single one of us. And we're going to talk about that when we see what the angels have to say. But it's a great reminder for every one of us. And it says that all of a sudden, as they're taking care of their animals out in the field, the heavens open and an angel appears and they were terrified. And if you and I were honest, if we're out there hiking up Lake 22 or you're out mowing your lawn or you're outside getting in your car and an angel shows up, you'd be pretty freaked out. Now, some of you are, are you know, wonderful enough to say, well, an angel entered my life and she's my wife and she's great. And that's cheesy and wonderful and a great dad joke, but... This angel causes terror. And part of the reason this angel causes terror is because oftentimes their understanding of a visitation from heaven, specifically by an angel, would have meant coming judgment, would have meant some sort of doom that they were about to experience. So they were freaking out for really bad reasons, which is why I love how the first thing the angel says is, hey, don't freak out, don't be afraid. Like, hold on, don't don't run away, here we are, don't be afraid. And then goes on to say, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And I love this reminder, and it's a simple one that I've mentioned, but I love how if you've ever wondered if you appear in Scripture, if you've ever wondered how Scripture directly applies to you, there are certain instances in Scripture where you could say, this is talking about you. This right here is talking about you and me. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What Jesus does in his love for you and me to deal with the issue of sin Is God Emmanuel with us coming to earth to live, perform miracles, to die on a cross and raise from the dead for you and for me that we can find relationship with God, dealing with sin that separates us. We can be forgiven and have that relationship because of God's love for you and me. So when the angel says good news, that's the good news. That's the gospel, good news of great joy that will be for all 
the people, including you and me right there from the angel. I love how it goes on that the angel says that. And then he says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. They've been waiting hundreds of years. They've been wondering about certain prophecies that bring up this idea of a redeemer, a savior, a Messiah that would come. And all of a sudden, the angel says that that, that, that Messiah has come on the scene, that he's here, he's arrived. He says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Now you and I gloss over that. We're familiar with manger scenes. You might have one in your yard. You might have one in your home. And on that manger scene, there's the wise men and there's a baby and there's Mary and Joseph and there's some animals and there's some shepherds. And I don't know what else is on your manger scene, but here's what I know. That it's easy to look at that manger scene and feel like it's a great religious symbol that reminds us of the Christmas story and yet miss the deeper thing that's going on. That, that for you and I, we hear the baby born in a manger. We're like, great Christmas. That's odd. That's weird. Mary and Joseph, in the context of the whole Christmas story, there was a census. And because there was a census, people had been traveling from all over that they had lived to the town of origination. Which tribe are you from? And that tribe has its city, and you have to go to that city to register for the census. So people are traveling, and they travel, and of course it takes a little longer when your wife is wildly pregnant and has to go 80 miles on a donkey. And when you get to Bethlehem, all the rooms that might have been available are taken. So unfortunately, this very pregnant woman ends up in a cave with animals and the baby is born and set in a feed trough. And you and I go, what a cute little story. That's odd. It's insane. It's weird. Why in the world, if God is God, does he do it that way? But I would remind you that part of understanding who Jesus is, is a humble and suffering servant for you and me. But part of understanding the humility with which God came into this world as a baby. Listen, the reminder there as you study it is if God comes to us in such humility, there's a requirement in the hearts of you and of me to come to him when we do with a heart of humility not just to show up and go through spiritual motions, not just to gather in a place like this and we come in half-hearted and a little flippant and passive and we sit down and wait for certain things to begin and that's kind of our spiritual thing for the week, but no. Instead, the value of the sacred moments that God wants to do for you and I to come humbly with a sense of expectation. God, what do you wanna to say to me today? God, what do you want to do in me today? Is there a way you're wanting to speak? Is there a way you're wanting to guide? Is there a way you're wanting me to experience you? Humility. That takes humility. And so this angel says it, and then it says this, suddenly, think about, here you are, if you're a shepherd, and all of a sudden the angel comes and you're freaking out and they say, don't be afraid. Here's what I'm gonna say to you. And then all of a sudden it's like the clouds part or the heavens open or whatever that looks like. I'm not even sure, but it says the heavens open and there's a whole choir of angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace on whom his favor rests. 
A couple of years ago, um, my wife and I had the opportunity. I found out that U2, that's her favorite band, my wife's favorite band, that, that they were playing in London at the O2 Arena on her birthday. And so I was like, whatever I do, I'm gonna beg, borrow, and steal in order to get there and celebrate on her birthday, you too. So it happens, we go to London, October 23rd, a couple of years ago, it's her birthday, we were at the O2 Arena and we're milling around and it's filling up and there's crowds of people in there, which is hard to understand today, right? Like crowds, how weird. But anyway, so there we are. And all of a sudden, as we're talking back and forth and kind of looking at the set and looking at the big stadium, the O2 Arena, and, and just having conversation, all of a sudden, the drums start kicking in. And here, here's Larry Mullen and, and then Adam Clayton comes out and starts playing and, and Ed starts coming out and he's playing the electric and it's kind of building. And then all of a sudden the lights change and all of a sudden everything focuses on the stage and Bono comes out and the crowd erupts and here I am and I can't help but look over at my wife because this is the moment I've wanted for years. When I found out in, in February of that year they were playing on her birthday, it's like, we gotta get there. So all the planning, all the preparation, all leading up to the moment that she'd be so excited to see them in her favorite city on her birthday. And they're, they're going, the lights are, it's amazing. And I'm looking at her and I'm, I'm over the moon at the moment. Now I realize that's a sad parallel to the heavens opening and a choir of angels singing. I get that. All I can tell you is that all that I felt in that moment couldn't have been a smidge of what those shepherds may have experienced as the heavens open and the angels are literally glorifying God with what they're saying. And here's this experience, this sacred, unbelievable, holy moment for them. That what happened? Somehow the heavens close and the angels are gone. And I don't know if they're looking at each other going like, did you eat some weird mushrooms? Like what just happened here? Like, did you experience that? Did you see that? Did I just, did that really just happen? But what do they do? It says immediately they go off to Bethlehem and look for that very picture. You're not gonna find a lot of people living in caves with a baby in a manger having the mom just given birth. That's not a common thing. So they go to Bethlehem and they look around and, and talk around and figure out that's where, and, and sure enough, it's exactly as the angels told them. And then what do they do? Not only are they elated, not only has this sacred moment impacted them, but did you know that the shepherds were actually the very first evangelists, the very first ambassadors of Christ? The very first ones in Luke chapter two, it says that they went out and told others, you're not gonna believe what we just experienced. You're not gonna believe the sacred moment that we just had and sure enough, there was a woman and a man and a baby in a feed trough and you guys, the Messiah has come. Sacred moments that change the trajectory of our lives. I've shared before that back in 1992, a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, in May of 1992, I was just a normal kid going to Marysville Pilchuck, 16 and a half, 17 years old, just doing life. When somehow, and it's hard to even explain because it sounds like I'm crazy, but I had an encounter with God that was so real to me that I surrendered my life. I had my own plan. I've joked before about how my plan was to move down to LA, bus tables, audition for anything I could get and try to become an actor. That's what I wanted to do. And here I am 28 going on 29 years later with a completely different life that I never would have expected. And I could tell you the long story, which I won't do today. 
But the long and the short of it is that I was so deeply impacted by that moment in my life that I surrendered to Christ. And he's led me on a path that I love and I'm, I'm so appreciative for. It changed me. Is it possible that you and I go through the motions of life? That we go through a season like this that has so many sacred opportunities, but we miss them because everything is just practical, because everything is just busy, because everything is running around to get this and go over here to grab those, and we got to be at that person's. And I know it's a little different of a year, and some of you are going, I'm not going anywhere. But, but have you ever thought of maybe, just maybe, maybe not going anywhere could be a good thing for you to stop? and experience the sacred moment that God wants you to? And if you are busy, and if you do have plans and you still got shopping to do, Jesus help you. But if you still do, is it possible that in the midst of all of the busyness of the agenda you have for today, December 20th, and tomorrow the 21st, 22nd and 23rd and 24th and 25th, is it possible that maybe you could carve out some windows of time or a window of time here and there to stop and maybe experience some sacred moments? Why do I say that? Because these moments are meaningful and these moments are necessary. And when I say what I'm saying, sometimes I feel like the danger is that it becomes so untouchable or sounds maybe so spiritual that it's like, I don't, I don't get it, I don't know. But I believe that God wants you and I to have sacred moments that change us. If I were to ask you, if you and I were to sit down one-on-one -on -one, and I were to literally just ask you a simple question, what's God doing in your life right now? Sometimes my fear is that the answer would be, I don't really know. And it's not that we always ought to know all that God is doing. But sometimes we rob ourselves of the sacred moments that allow us to know how God is shaping us how God is changing us, ways that God is challenging us to, to walk down that path, to do that, to go there, or to not do this and to not go down that path and not touch that direction because of the danger involved. And so in life, we become so practical and we go through the motions and, and we just do what we're doing that we miss the sacred and yet the sacred is what has the possibility to change the direction that we're heading. Is it possible that we're missing it this season. And so let me just give you a couple thoughts. Again, nothing unbelievably profound here, but, but how do we experience sacred moments? And I would start with this, make room. You have to make room for them. It's like if you wanna have a great marriage, you've got to take time to communicate, to have certain experiences to spend together in conversation in ways that sharpen your ability to have a great marriage. You don't have a great marriage by ignoring each other. You don't have a great marriage by, by being too busy to spend the time in conversation. You don't have a great marriage by, by not having the deep conversations that say, hey, we're not on the same page and we feel a little distant. What do we need to do here? You have a great marriage by stopping and intentionally having conversations. It's no different when it comes to your relationship with your heavenly father. Make room. What does it look like to make room? When we talk about worship, sometimes the danger is this. Worship is the music. And there's no doubt in my mind, worship is a genre of music. 
And that can sound so unspiritual to say it that way. I mean, there's rock and there's country and there's classical and there's worship. And, and, but, but sometimes what we do is we get stuck in the idea that worship is music or worship is the first X amount of minutes in a gathering like this. We experienced worship a little bit ago. But if you're taking notes, write down Romans 12, 1 and 2. And when you read those verses, what you'll find is Paul talks about you and I living. He says we're living sacrifices. That that's our spiritual act of worship. What does he mean? He means that as you and I live every single day, Sunday to Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday, all throughout every week, that our lives are lived through the filter of how is my connection with God and what is he showing me and how is he guiding me that I walk in what's right, that I walk in doing the right things, checking my heart for the right motives. You look at Zechariah as a priest, the very beginning of the Christmas story. Zechariah is a priest who has an encounter with the angel Gabriel. And I'm gonna talk about this on Christmas Eve coming up in a few days, but, but Gabriel, or Zechariah and Elizabeth, it specifically talks about their hearts were, were hearts of integrity. They wanted so desperately to walk in what was right that I happen to believe if they didn't do that, they would have missed out on the opportunity that they had to experience God in a life-changing way. I would say Mary's in the same category. One of the things we learn about Mary at the very beginning of the gospels is that she had a certain integrity and purity to herself that allowed her in those sacred moments to, to be transformed by God, to become what she needed to in order to prepare to be what we call the Virgin Mary. That didn't happen because she was haphazard and just did whatever she wanted to do. And we find this over and over and over, living as, as a, as a Paul says, a living sacrifice in a lifestyle of worship. I offer myself, Lord, to you every day. How are you working in what I think and what I do, what my motive is, what I say or shouldn't say? How is that working day after day after day? This one is one that I will never stop saying, and you guys already know where I'm going with it. Time in the word. Time in the scriptures. If your main diet of scripture comes on a Sunday in moments like this, that's not good. And there's a point where just like as, as, as a kid, you know, our parents feed us, but there's a point where we got to pick up that spoon and feed ourselves. And I would challenge any of us that little by little, we've got to learn to take on reading scripture as a steady habit. And when you and I read scripture and learn, like, like I said, I can look at Zechariah. And when I read the story, and I've already said it, when I read the story of Zechariah, it's a story of transformation because of what happens with, with Gabriel. It's, it's amazing, but it's a story of, of how integrity matters. And so it makes me go, God, do I have the kind of integrity I'm supposed to have? Am I walking the way you want me to walk? When I read over and over, you get into like the shepherds and what happens to them and who they are. And I go, God, I am grateful for a God that, that, that meets me right where I'm at as a normal individual. As just another person in this world, God, you care enough about me because you cared enough about people that were just simply shepherds. That over and over for you and I being readers and studiers and thinkers about scripture. It's, it's you know, we, we put out a reading plan every year. And I would just encourage you with this. If you haven't taken that on, take it on this coming year in 2021. We'll put it out there. There's print copies. There's online copies on the YouVersion app. We'll put out there. It's the reading plan in the year. We read through the Bible every year. We put out different plans kind of year to year. Um, but I would encourage you to take that on and watch what God wants to do. This is setting the stage for those sacred 
moments. And finally, reflection and prayer. Talking to God about what's going on in your life and things you care about. But on top of that, stopping and just listening. There are times when I'm at my house looking out my window and looking at the trees and what's going on, and I'm just kind of processing some scripture. I'm just thinking about, sometimes I let my mind go wherever it sort of goes. I'm like, man, the trees are gorgeous, and I love living here. Man, Colorado, I always love Colorado. My mind just kind of goes. But what's cool is in those moments when you let your mind do that, there are certain moments where God does jump in and reveal certain things to you. And that can sound really odd, but that's part of what I do just in reflection. These are ways that you and I set the stage, and yet does your schedule in the next five days allow for that? Like I said, you look at the shepherds, and they became the very first evangelists because they were deeply impacted by sacred moments. What about you? How have you in the past been impacted by sacred moments? And how does God want to continue to reveal things and do things in you? Because you make room for sacred moments moments. Plenty of moments where you could say, I've done that and I didn't get anything. There are some moments where something changes. Even for Zechariah, going back to that story, year after year, decade after decade, praying for a breakthrough. And it didn't come till later on in his life, but let's not give up. Jesus, today, I pray that we would find ourselves in surrender to what you want to do in sacred moments. That maybe if for some of us the holidays represent the, the gifts and the food and, and, and the decorations and some of the music and maybe some family around. Those are really good things. But there's something when we say the word sacred that I think takes it to a deeper level. And God, I pray over the next few days in particular that we would carve out a few windows of time for those sacred moments. Maybe for some it's early in the morning. Maybe for some it's, it's, it's in the evening once the kids have gone to bed and things are kind of chill. Maybe for some it's taking a walk and, and, and considering, thinking through where we're at as we reflect and pray to you. I don't know what it is, but God, what would it look like for each of us? Show, reveal to each of us through the next five, six days. What does it look like to make room for you? Make room for sacred moments. God, let us take advantage of it, that you can speak, that you can guide in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one thing just real quick that comes to mind, because sometimes when we talk about sacred moments, when I say it like I just did, it's individual. But can I encourage you with a simple one this Christmas? Maybe what you do is you gather as a family if you're going to, or maybe there's just immediate family. I don't know. But maybe what you do is you open up and you read, you know, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas.'" or you take certain moments to, to, to have some conversations, what if you swapped out some of those for reading Luke chapter two, verse eight through 20? What if you read about the shepherds with your family? What if you read other elements of the Christmas story? What if you, you took, and of course some of it can take a while to read, but what if you took both in Matthew and in Luke, the first part, and read that together and set the stage for you guys as a family to experience sacred moments? Just something to think about. Um, I want to make a, a bit of a transition here. And, and there's an announcement that, that I want to bring to you today because obviously it's a big deal. You know, as we're looking at, you know, COVID in our community and we're taking, uh, you know, 
we're always looking at the stats. We're talking to certain people in, in the medical field that work in the county. And as we've been looking at that, we believe right now that it's, it's prudent to put a pause on having in-person gatherings for the next few weeks at least. So this is gonna be our last in-person gathering for now. And again, we'll continue to communicate with you what's going on as that changes. But we're just trying to be careful because the ICU beds are reaching critical mass as far as their capacity, as well as the COVID rates. And we just believe that we really wanna be safe. We wanna be careful. And, and we don't want it to spread any more than, than you know, I guess it's sort of gunning and we can help with that. So we're gonna do that. We're still gonna have drive-in at 11 a.m. every Sunday. We're still gonna have our online experience at 935 Every Sunday, it's always a little 10 minutes before this gathering. But anyway, um, encourage you to be a part of those. And, and again, keep your ears open for when that's gonna change as we move past the holidays and kind of take a look at how things are going as we get into January. And again, we just appreciate your graciousness. I know that's not the funnest announcement to have to make, but again, we just want to be careful. We want to be prudent. We wanna love people well. And so thanks for working with us as far as being flexible on how things are going and just be prayerful. We're trying to make great decisions for our church body as well as our community. So wanted to let you know that. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.